Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. She is a NCAA All-American for the University of Georgia, Pan Pacific Champion, World University Games Champion. She's been to three Olympic trials, which is extremely relevant today because she is the lowest seeded qualifier to make an Olympic trials final ever, uh, which it has a big impact on uh, the recent news that the 2021 Olympic trials has been split into two different meets, wave one and wave two. Today, we are talking to Morgan Scroggy. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for having me. top eight at the, at the 2008 Olympic trials going in seated 41st in the 200 back. And, uh, and that is why USA swimming decided to set those wave two Olympic trial cuts at where the 41st seat of each person is at in each event right now. Um, so to, just to start off this conversation, when you heard this news, uh, can you tell me your reaction? What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I was totally shocked. I mean, it's sort of a cool statistic. Um, one that certainly I didn't think I would have been the one to have, you know, made the final from the lowest seed. So I was shocked. Um, I thought it was pretty neat. And yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty much how it felt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, as I mentioned, you've been to three U.S. Olympic trials, 2004, 2008, 2012. Um, I, I mean, when you heard this news and especially considering, you know, those, those top cuts are where the 41st seated person in each event stands right now, you can, you can qualify for those cuts in the next six months. Do you think that that's a fair way of doing it considering, you know, this global pandemic and the state of where our country is at right now? Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening this year, um, and I've said from the very beginning of the pandemic that I'm glad that I'm not the one who has to make any of these decisions. Uh, so, I mean, I understand the decision to try to make the meets smaller, or I guess to try to make the one meet smaller. Um, I think no matter what you do, some people are going to be upset about it, but I think that's just the way it goes. And they had to pick some standard to go off of. So it, it's logical. It makes sense to me that they did it this way. When you were competing, I mean, the Olympic, the Olympic trials is the pinnacle for so many athletes in our sport. Um, because obviously only two athletes per event make the actual Olympic team. And so trials, you just have to get the time, you know, it's always been attainable because it's not top however many percent it's just, you get the time you can go. That's a really big accomplishment for a lot of high schoolers, for a lot of collegiate swimmers, a lot of post-collegiate swimmers. Um, when you were chasing, you know, you, you went to three Olympic trials, as we've said, when you were chasing that Olympic trials dream, that Olympic dream, um, what did it mean to you just as an athlete to have that goal in mind that you knew you could achieve? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it meant everything <laughs> at the time that we were swimming. Um, you know, me and my teammates, I feel like we all kind of felt the same way that 
like we said, this was the pinnacle of our careers and the chance to take it one step further. Um, and I always kind of joked about the meet, you know, so many people go into it with these high expectations and very few out of that huge amount of people that get to go to the meet, very few actually achieve the dream, right. Of going to the meet. So it's full of a few people making their dreams and a lot of people being more or less heartbroken uh, that they didn't make it. So, yeah, I think in the moment, in the time that I was there, I was very much like, you know, this is make or break and it, it meant everything to be there and to, and to take the shot and go for it. Um, looking back at it now, sort of from where I am today, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful that I had the chance to be there and compete. And I hope that everybody just enjoys it because, you know, from 10 years removed, um, yeah, it's just, it's a great, a great joy and just something that it's, it's really fun to think back on it and know that I got to experience that stuff. I mean, it is a really big accomplishment. And, and more than that, as you said, it's just a joy. You know, swimming is so fun and competing at the highest level, while certainly it can bring nerves and be scary. And, you know, uh, it can also be really exciting and, and really fun. Um, I, I've been to 16, 2016 trials. I was at 2012 trials. My brother competed at both of them. And um, I'm, I'm a little curious as to what the environment, how the environment might may have changed or if at all um, since 08 and 012. So I kind of want to go step by step through your trials experiences. Um, and I want to start with that 2008 trials where you did make the final, that you did make the top eight. Um, heading into that meet, did you, was it a surprise to make the final? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I mean, my, I considered my best events freestyle, sort of mid-distance, 200 free, 100 free. Uh, so those were the events that I went in concentrating on and probably put more pressure on myself to perform in those events. And uh, I don't even remember how I did, but I remember in the 200 back uh, making the semifinal, which was a, a shock. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then of course, parading out in front of that venue, that humongous uh, arena that they put the pool in is so fun. They've got flames and fireworks and all kinds of music going on. It, it really feels like, like you're a star, you know, you're in the middle of this huge arena. And I think because it wasn't my main event, you know, it was kind of a bonus event for me at that time. Um, that I just went out and I truly was just enjoying the experience and having fun, probably hyped up a little bit on the adrenaline of, of the meet and the moment. And I think that's what helps help me swim better uh, than I thought and, and make those finals. So it was a shock to make the semifinal. It was a bigger shock to make the final after that. So, but it was a wonderful, great experience. Do you remember your reaction after you, after both semi, were you in semifinal one or two? I don't remember. <laughs> I think uh, what I remember is swimming it with Mary Desenza. I think she had made that final as well. And maybe we were in the same heat. I, honestly, I can't remember. Um, but do you remember your reaction to, to when you realized that you did make the final from the semis? Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was overwhelming joy and shock and just like, 
almost disbelief. Like, did that really just happen? Did I just make the finals? And then I think after that, you sort of start to think, well, okay, I just made the finals when I didn't expect to. Could I make the Olympics? Like, is could I make it in this event? And I think going from the shock and the joy of it to putting a little bit of expectation on, you know, maybe now I actually want to try to make this meet in this event, uh, put just a little bit of pressure on there that, not that it takes the joy away, but it adds a little bit of pressure. I think that probably got to my head a little bit because I think I ended up getting seventh in that final, um, which was great for me, for someone who didn't even expect to be in the final. So the only way I can describe my experience at an Olympic trials and working from a media perspective is a roller coaster. I, there's so many ups and downs. And I feel like what you just described is that you have an immense up and then immediately it's it, it, not a down necessarily, but just, Whoa, what now? And, and then that pressure starts sinking in. Do you, can you compare the feeling before that semifinal race to the feeling before that final race? You know, it's hard to distinguish and remember the different feelings. I think going out the semifinals, it was pure just joy and excitement and fun and not really knowing what to expect. And then I think going out for the finals, I had put a little bit of pressure on myself and a little bit more expectation of, you know, you might be able to pull something off here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think going out to the semifinals, I was a little bit more relaxed. And then all of a sudden realizing a little bit more pressure going on to the finals was a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And had you swam the freestyle events at that point? Was that your last event of the meet? Do you remember? I cannot remember the format. <laughs> um I, cause I know I didn't make the, the semifinals in the 200 free, but I think I, I had swum the best time. So, you know, I, I didn't have any reason to be disappointed with that meet really at all. Um, you know, it was an exciting meet. I was there with my teammates from Georgia. I was coming off my freshman year. Um, I had had a really good year and, and speaking of, you know, it was kind of my breakout year that 2008, 2009 season. So you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that I came from a lower seed and, and got a lot better because I, I did that sort of throughout those two years and a lot of events. So um, it's just kind of where my swimming career was at that time. And, and yeah, I got to, got to do a lot of cool things because of it. Yeah. And I would like to come back to that a little later in this podcast, uh, but taking it back to, to 2004 Olympic trials, you're, you know, you're coming off your freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. And that was before USA swimming had migrated to Omaha. Uh, 2008 was the first, you know, kind of big show, uh, in, in the, in the arena. And I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, 2004 Olympic trials in long beach in a parking lot. It may have been a parking lot. Yeah. I think they built the whole stadium. They built like all the stands and then the platform that the pool, the pool sat on. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all outside. And it was it was all outside, which yeah. <laughs> to to just thinking about that, it's like, what? How, how does that work? And I've been to plenty of national meets in Irvine and that's outside. Right. And it's a little different, but to to envision Olympic trials, it's like, whoa. So I mean, 
again, coming off of freshman year of high school, you're 15 years old, uh, first Olympic trials w- outdoors in California. What was that like? That was an amazing experience as well, um, because I had made that meet two or three weeks before the meet actually started. So I was one of those who just barely got in by the skin of my teeth. And again, in an off event, I, we were in Texas a couple of weeks before, I think university of Texas swimming like a last chance meet. And I swam the 200 free and didn't quite make it and was really upset and disappointed. And then had the hundred fly where again, I was just kind of, I was like, well, I didn't make it. I'm just going to swim this for fun and see what happens. And I made the meet. I, I went a best time by a lot and made the trial cut. And I was, I remember at that point feeling a little frustrated because I was like, well, how can I pour all my energy into this event? But yet this other event over here is the one where I end up doing better. So it was mixed emotions from that standpoint. But I mean, to be able to go to the meet and experience it and swim and see you know, all of my heroes at that point, all the people that I looked up to and oh gosh, I think I remember Katie Hoff swimming at that meet, um, like carrying a teddy bear as she walked down uh, for her final swims and just, yeah, getting there and being there and feeling like, you know, I can do this. I can, I can be here again. And these are real people. So it was, it was great at that point to be able to experience it. And you answered my follow-up question, which is, you know, as a, as a young kid at that Olympic trials, what do you gain? Why, why do you go, what do you take away from there? And like you said, humanizing the, your idols and, and seeing, Hey, I, c- I can compete. I can be in this as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the experience is sort of invaluable. I mean, the format of the meet is one of a kind for USA swimming uh, in that you have to do semifinals and then finals, at least at the time, uh, no other meet nationals wasn't like that. Um, so again, I was swimming the hundred fly, uh, not expecting too much, but made the semifinal kind of out of nowhere. It went the best time again. And so just to be able to parade down the pool deck in front of all those people, it just, having been there once before the next time you do it, it just feels a little bit less stressful, you know, a little bit more like this is familiar. I know what's going to happen. And it just calms those nerves a little bit more the next time. Absolutely. (laughs) How on a scale of one to 10, do you remember how nervous you were for that hundred fly semi in 2004? I don't. um, Again, I don't think my expectation was, was to be able to make it, you know, I was kind of just there enjoying the experience. So I think, again, I had just a lot of joy at the meet and a lot of excitement and just happy to be there. I, I do remember swimming the semifinal and on my turn, taking in a mouthful of water and saying, well, that's why I didn't make the final because I was choking <laughs> halfway back. So as a butterflyer, I know I've certainly been there. I'm sure a yeah. lot of butterflyers <laughs> can relate. <laughs> Choking on the water is the worst. <laughs> um, so, so that 2004 Olympic trials, as you said, in 2008, we're in Omaha. It's this huge show. I'm just curious, kind of as a swimming fan, you know, what was what was the environment like in 2004? Again, it being outside. 
Um, you know, you can't, I'm guessing the acoustics are a little different. I don't know if the crowd was like as, as hyped and massive. What can you, can you give me a little description of, of what the environment itself of the meet was like? Yeah. I mean, it felt sort of like larger than life. It felt like the biggest arena that swimming had ever been on. And I think at that point too, they had all these special effects going on as they paraded people in for semifinals and finals. And yeah, like you said, the acoustics was amazing. They had, you know, a big TV screen, being able to show a bunch of things as the meet was going on. Um, and then just being in a stadium that size, just all those people that were there, I think not being open to the air, all of the noise kind of gets reflected back into the building and into the people that are there. So it just felt so much bigger, you know? And it was fun because I was there with my teammates, you know, my college teammates, and there was a big group of us there. We were all, you know, enjoying the meet together. And I think that helped a lot. Made it feel more like a team uh, event, I guess. Yeah, I think one thing that sticks or a moment that sticks out to me from the 2016 trials uh, is, is the first night the Georgia team losing their mind is Jay Litherlin passed Ryan Lochte in the last 50 of the foreign I am and made the team yeah. uh, behind yeah. chase, another bulldog. Um, it's, a, it's amazing to be there with your teammates because they know how hard you work. They know how much it means to you. And just to know that, you know, that they're going to have your back and to pull something off that no one expects and just see them go crazy. I mean, it, it would fire anybody up, you know, it makes everybody really excited and just happy to be there. And like you said, we all know how much of a grind swimming can be, how hard of a sport it can be. And just to be able to get that achievement, to go there and swim with joy, swim with excitement, celebrate all that hard work. Uh, and especially with the people you put that hard work in, I'm sure, I'm sure that that's a gratifying feeling. Definitely. Absolutely. So then jumping to the 2012 trials, can you, can you compare that to the 2008 and what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Uh, the 2012 trials were hard for me. Um, I had a lot of expectation and a lot of goals. Um, you know, I felt like my whole swimming career was kind of mounting on me and just, uh, you know, I think that was sort of my, I don't know, lack of experience, lack of life experience at that time where I really felt like this was the pinnacle of my life. You know, I just put so much pressure on myself. Um, and I really didn't know what I was going to do when I stopped swimming. And if I didn't make the meet, I was going to be done swimming. So yeah, it, it was, it was great to be back in Omaha, back in that venue. Um, you know, it was, again, it didn't, it didn't disappoint with excitement, you know, and, and all the big fireworks and stuff. So it was still a really fun meet, but, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the expectation that you put on yourself, you know, are you going in with joy and excitement or are you going in with a whole bunch of pressure on your shoulders? I, I love that perspective. Um, one, one person we've had on the podcast that comes to mind with that is Katie Miley. Um, mm -hmm. Olympian in 2016, who, who is now a lawyer, uh, and 
she, I, that's a big emphasis for her is that she, what made swimming doable for her throughout the later years in her career was having that focus outside of swimming, you know, kind of developing that, uh, identity beyond being a swimmer. And I think that's something a lot of swimmers, a lot of athletes can struggle with or, or aren't taught how to do necessarily because it's always just, you know, chasing those swimming goals. And then, like you said, if you don't make it, then you're done and that's it. Right. Um, how did, so, you know, you, you said those trials were hard. Um, how, how did you grapple with that not only the disappointment of, of not making that or maybe not meeting those expectations, but also it, uh, of moving on of, of, of losing your sport. And now what, am, what am I doing next? Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, that it's such a good question. Cause I still grapple with it like 10 years later. Right. I like will have dreams that I'm still swimming that I'm back at Olympic trials or that I'm back on the deck with, you know, Georgia and you wake up and you're just like, man, that was such a lifetime ago. And, uh, you know, why, why am I still dreaming about it? Like it was yesterday. And I think the truth is it's such a big part of our lives when we're in it and when we're doing it, that naturally it's going to stick with us, you know, as we, as we move on. And, you know, I think I've carried, all of the lessons that I've learned through swimming into my work life, into my career. Um, I think I've found a lot more peace with my swimming career. I think when I, when it first ended, you know, I was pretty disappointed, but looking back at it, I've, I've had great experiences, built amazing friendships. Um, you know, I can really look back at it now and be proud of what I was able to do where, you know, yeah, it took a little bit of time. It didn't feel like that right away, but it certainly does now. And again, I think you have a, a unique perspective, especially for maybe younger listeners listening now to where I think the sport has grown a lot uh, financially in the last mm-hmm. 10 years, in the last decade. Um, you know, you graduated college in 2011 and then stuck around that, that next year for the 2012 trials. And then you were done. Um, did you want to continue your swimming career after, and it just wasn't a viable option for you financially or otherwise, or were you ready to be done at that point? I was pretty ready to be done. I'd, I'd had a challenging couple years, maybe year and a half or so. I had a not necessarily injuries, but just things in my body that were hurting that hadn't hurt before. So I felt a little bit like my body was kind of saying, we need to be done with this. Um, And and it's just really hard. It it takes so much out of you. And I remember being done, sort of getting past the first couple of weeks of disappointment and just feeling the sense of relief, like, I can go skiing and not worry about breaking my ankle. Like I can, I can go do fun things. I can go out for a run and not worry about, you know, am I going to ruin my taper or, or, you know, silly things like that. And it, and it really did feel a little bit more free just to be done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think moving on from it is it was a challenge at first and then, eventually, yeah, it, it sinks in and, and you appreciate kind of what you had. Um, 
I think my view, my view towards swimming now, I try to occasionally I, I dip back into it. There's a master's team here in Columbus that I've, I've swum with every now and then. And, um, if it's, if it's been too long since I swam, I will start to think, oh, maybe I could get back into it. Maybe I could go to like master's nationals and, and just have fun. And then I'll go to a practice, swim a hundred and be like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> that was really hard. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, it still comes in waves of like, you know, do I want to get back into it? Do I want to be a little bit more serious about swimming and you know, I go to practice and, and hang out with those people on the master's team and, and just have some fun and, and realize that this is a really hard sport and to be kind to myself and just try to have fun and know that swimming can also be really healthy for you. I mean, that's the other thing. When you stop swimming, your body changes immediately. And that's another challenge of like, how do I manage the way I used to eat or behave while I swam versus how do I eat and behave now that I'm not swimming and working out that much. So ah, it's a crazy journey. <laughs> if I could sum it up in two words, it's crazy. And it's a roller coaster, like you said. I, I relate to so much of what you just said. I also have similar dreams, you know, 10 plus years out of my small swimming career. Uh, I also get those like, well, maybe, maybe I could like, yeah, get in shape and start swimming, you know, get in, get in swim shape and, and start swimming five days a week and maybe go to a meet. And then I'll, I'll swim two practices in a row and be like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not <laughs> yeah. what I want. And I, other yeah. Well, so I caught myself a couple of times closer like when I was maybe only a couple years out of it and just thinking okay what year is it where are we in the season how long would it take me to get in shape could I make it <laughs> you know could I be ready for the next big meet and, and every time I call myself and I'm like no what am I doing like this is not I'm ready to move on from this and it it really is like I'm totally ready to move on from it but at the same time something kind of draws you back in and it's just, it's the excitement of it, the hype of it, like you said, being there with your teammates and, and having that community. Um, there's something about it just pulls you back in and makes you wonder, what if? Yeah, and and as you mentioned earlier, it, we, you, it was such a big commitment, such a big part of your life for so long um, that you're used to that way of doing things. And the other day, I, I said to someone on the master's team, it's like, I just realized like last week being a, a, over a decade out of like swimming competitively, I don't like swimming fast. I just like swimming normally, yeah. <laughs> just like at a, at a slow pace and like thinking about technique, like that's enjoyable to me now. Um, but I, you know, you're so in tuned into, okay, well, I got to make this time and I got to go this pace and I have to, my heart rate has to be here. It's like, I don't you know. As soon as our as soon as our coach puts the clock out at the side of the pool and <laughs> all of a sudden see how fast you're actually going, that's when it clicks in for me is like, okay, I just went that time. Can I go a little bit faster on my next one? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um and so so 
swimming can be such a process to let go of, to take, take a new journey with, you know, once you're so again, tuned into competitive swimming, but outside the water, you know, once, once you were done, how did, what are some ways that you found helpful to find out who you were other than a swimmer and an athlete? Yeah, it, it was a really long journey. Um, I think the thing that has helped me the most in these recent years um, has been yoga and meditation. I know that probably sounds silly, but you know, I, I found yoga within a couple years of being in Columbus and it's morphed into a lot of different things along the way. But um, one of the great gifts I think it's given is um, being gentle and forgiving with yourself and knowing that, you know, if, if you don't feel good this day, you don't have to go work out. Um, And I think that's something that swimming sort of ingrains in you is every single day show up at the pool and do your best and sort of, ignore how your body is feeling at least that's kind of how I did my swimming career and yeah one of the greatest things that I feel like I have now is to pay attention to how I'm feeling and to care about how I'm feeling Um, so that has been I think the best sort of healer um, sort of thing that's helped me move on and sort of accept you know, the things that happened in my swimming career, um, and appreciate everything, all of the great things that happened. So my mom's a yoga teacher and she'll say something to me about, you know, the, the practice of yoga or the principles of yoga and I'll be like, okay. And then days <laughs> or weeks or months or years later, it'll finally sink in and be like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. But yep. I think it, coming from that swimming mindset, yeah, it's it's like direct opposite of what you were taught as, as a swimmer, as a competitive athlete, um, as opposed to just a, a human trying, trying to move through life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing that, that really kind of hit home with me was uh, diet. Um, so I'm a vegetarian vegan, uh, now, but, uh, it took me a long time to sort of figure out my path and, you know, what food is, what it means to your body. Um, you know, all of the kind of things that surround food and emotion and how, how all that plays into each other. I mean, like we said, as soon as I stopped swimming, my body changed and I was like, a bit of a shock. And then, so kind of realizing, you know, food is impacting my body. It's also impacting my emotions and how I'm feeling. And so that was a whole journey in and of itself too, was just, you know, how do I manage the fact that I don't need to eat nearly as much as I used to, to what kinds of food I should be eating, um, what's healthy, what's not. I mean, I feel like we were never taught. I mean, thinking back, we definitely had access to, you know, nutrition and people to help with that. But I feel like I had no idea. Like I thought a hot dog was healthy because it was meat and it was protein. So, um, you know, just paying attention, I think 
to your body again and how it feels and how certain foods make you feel. So, you know, that was another big part of my journey of sort of self-awareness and, and what's going to help me move forward. Hmm. And um, you, we kind of answered this before, but, you know, I think this is a, a good way to, to end this conversation, but um, again, th- that Olympic dream, that Olympic trials dream, such a big part of, of many swimmers, careers, life's goals, achievements. Um, looking back on it now, how do, how do you analyze having that dream of going to an Olympic trials, going to an Olympics? Um, and is that something applicable to your daily life now? Well, um, I, so I sort of feel like my goals as a swimmer were very narrow, uh, and very unforgiving. Um, but I also feel like it sort of set up the framework of how do you set a goal and work towards it and build a plan to get there. And I think that has been kind of one of my biggest shocking realizations going into the real world is and interacting with, you know, people that didn't swim their whole lives or people who didn't even do sports necessarily. Um, Just seeing their struggle with goal setting and kind of what that means and a lot of fear around goal setting and not wanting to set goals because they don't, they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to fail or be tied to doing something they don't want to do. So I feel like, you know, I've been given a foot up in, in my ability to, yeah, sort of identify goals for myself and then achieve them. So I think that, and that was something, you know, my friends here in Columbus, you know, they said to me one time, it's like, I know whatever goal you set, you're going to achieve, whether it's, you know, like a dry January or some other like 5k run or something, you know, they have no doubt in their mind that, that I'm going to achieve whatever goal I set. And to me, that's so funny because, you know, my biggest goal in swimming at the time, in my mind, I didn't, I didn't achieve it. And so it's just funny to know that even though I didn't get to the tip top of where I wanted to go, I, I made and hit so many other goals along the way. And yeah, it set me up, I think, ahead of the game for life after swimming. It's a great answer. (laughs) Some really good insight. uh, If if you're listening just about swimming and and what swimming can give you, especially for life after swimming. Um, Morgan, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me for a bit today. Uh, Is there any parting thoughts you have before we sign off? Uh, Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, It's been really fun to kind of dive back into swimming these past couple days. I've had friends sort of shoot me the article and say, hey, look, it's you. Uh, So it's it's been fun. I feel a little bit more engaged in the swimming world than I have in a little while. Um, And I just would say good luck to everybody swimming. Um, This is an exciting year, an exciting time, uh, even though it got delayed a year because of all the craziness. But I, I would just say, yeah, I wish the best of luck to everybody.
You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.